Hey everyone, and welcome to episode 36 of the podcast. I am Steve, filling in for Pete this week, and I'm joined by DJ. Hey everybody. This week we're talking SNES controllers for Nintendo Switch, Little Town Hero, and we're going to talk about the upcoming PAX West and Gamescoms. So what have you been playing this week, DJ? So honestly, I haven't played much this week, but what I have played a little bit of is uh, continuing on in Fire Emblem. Okay. Yeah. So Fire Emblem, it's it's great so far. Um, I really wish that I had more time to kind of give it like five hour bursts in, in one sitting. I feel like it would be a lot more fun that way. But that's not to say it's not a game you can like pick up and play because you certainly can because mm-hmm. there's a bunch of those little quests and everything that you can do. And then, you know, when you have more time, you can save the main battles for, you know, when you have more time. But uh, yeah, what I've been playing of it so far is great. I still haven't played any more of that game. Yeah, I feel like if if you haven't by now, chances are you might not be you might not get hooked on it. <laughs> I know that's the problem. I will I will go back to it after Pete gushing on it on the last episode. There's no way I can miss it because um, I don't think he'll let me live it down. Especially considering like his recommendation of Undertale, and I was so dismissive of the game when I saw it. I was like, nah, there's no way this is gonna be any good, and then. Like we forced ourselves to play it for the game game right. club on the show, and it was incredible. It's one of my favorite games of all time. So, I kind of respect his recommendations now. Oh yeah, absolutely. And it's one of those games where you might not respect it right away, or you know, enjoy it right away. But it's I can anticipate it being one of those games you go back to a few years down the line and enjoy it just as much. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's what I've been playing. What about you? <sighs> Not a lot, really. I I got one of those PlayStation Classics this week, though. Did you? Was the was the price right for you? I got it for ten pounds. Oh so my goodness, that's I, that I'm sounds very, right. I'm very <laughs> I'm very happy with my with my purchase. So, what have have you played anything on it, or did you just get it? I've I've played a little bit of um, Ridge Racer. Okay. I played a little bit of Resident Evil and realized how terrible the controls are in the original. Um, and there's a couple of others I played on there. But it's missing basically all of my favorite games. A lot of people say that. So it's missing Crash Bandicoot, Tomb Raider. It's missing Gran Turismo. It's missing Medieval. Um, it's missing Cooler World, also known as Rollaway. It's missing Toy Story 2. Hmm. It's missing all my favorite games. Right. Do you think that it's missing? Because when I saw that like Crash wasn't there, I was like, okay, is that because of the remaster, you think? coming to all i think so yeah yeah i think so i think it's probably all licensing issues yeah but i also think they wanted to have a, a, a good mix so that they don't want gran turismo on there because they've already got ridge racer um and i can kind of appreciate that i don't know uh, and like resident evil the original is is good but like resident evil 3 would have been good on there as well yeah are you are you planning on kind of rigging it to play more than just what came oh, out. Absolutely. It. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Good. Yeah. yeah. That, a lot of people say that's <laughs> it's perfect for that purpose. So if you get it at the price that you know you're comfortable with, then uh, yeah. I mean, that was my plan. Get it for ten quid. Pop a USB stick in there and jam on a load of. Oh yeah. ISOs. Absolutely. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> <laughs> I also wanted to follow up on the last uh, the mention of the Philips CDI in last week's episode. I don't know if you listened to the show, but I basically went to this exhibition in Manchester with a friend, and uh, they had Hotel Mario there. Um, Interesting on a Philips CDI. What? 
so I got to play I got to play that for a little bit and uh Pete mentioned I can't remember one of the Zelda games that had like animated cutscenes and stuff yeah and Chris on the discord mentioned that there was also this weird wacky fucked up game called Zelda's Adventure that has like live action stuff trickled in with gameplay yes uh, I'll put a link to the YouTube video in the show notes but it's absolutely insane I thought it was incredible I've actually seen um, some people play it and it's just it's one of those like games I guess um, where it's like an FMV y- game though right yes yes um, that's yeah that's kind of what I took from it um, but it's like so bad that it's good it's almost like the Mario movie where everybody like kind of agrees it's pretty bad like the one from it was terrible yeah you know 90s or whatever um, but you still kind of enjoy it. Like, it has its enjoyable things about it just because it's so bad. It's one of those things. So, it's it's a little charming in that way. <laughs> what, are, um, what are some, like, weird, obscure consoles or games that you've either got or want want to add to, like, your collection? You know what the weirdest thing is? Like, and I and I just love this stuff. Like, Nintendo didn't always start with like hardware like your traditional nes i mean they had games uh on various different platforms whether it was like arcade or you know the philips cdi um there's like a mario bros on the 2600 the atari um so yeah yeah, things like that even donkey kong too i think that might i don't know if that's the 2600 or um it might be worse because there was pac there was a wonky pac-man on there as well yeah yeah so so stuff like that i and now that I have a 2600, I'm like, I have to have it. I have to. Mm-hmm. So, but that's not to say that they're bad on the Atari. That's, you know, it's just like weird seeing Nintendo games on something other than Nintendo hardware. The, the Nintendo, uh, I guess some of the other stuff I quite like is like way back, like Nintendo playing cards, I think would be cool to get just to have that like level of history and lineage. Oh, yeah. From right at the beginning of where Nintendo came from. Mm-hmm. That'd be cool to have, have in the collection. Oh, yeah. So before we move on to the news, I just want to do some plugs. Uh, don't forget to check out our Discord. The link is in the show notes. There's a great community over there. We're in there uh, pretty much every day chatting with, chatting with the fans. It's a good place to interact and just talk about Nintendo. Um, you can also hit us up on Twitter, twitter.com slash lootbots. You can drop an email either to me Steve at loopots.com or Pete, Pete at loopots.com and we'll, we're going to do a mailbag episode next week, I think. So we'll probably read out your questions on the show and answer them then. And the best way you can support the show is over on Patreon. We do a separate episode every single week called, uh, Potscast After Dark, just exclusively for pat- uh, patrons. So if you're a Patreon supporter or if you're not a Patreon supporter, head over to, uh, patreon.com slash loopots. Give us a couple of dollars and you'll be able to get uh, an additional episode every single week and this week you're on the show with me right yeah and we have a good time (laughs) good time for all (laughs) okay so let's do some news first up this week uh, there was an fcc filing that was found um by some people on reset era that seems to hint that a wireless uh, SNES or SNES controller is coming for the Nintendo Switch. Now, at first glance, this could have been anything, but the um, HAC model code is specifically for the Switch. 
everything that's been HAC, I believe, has been for the Switch, right? Mm-hmm. So it seems to allude that this will be uh, for the Nintendo Switch. Yeah, it certainly looks like it. And everybody has been uh, really clamoring for things other than NES games for Switch Online. So uh, if it comes, you know, comes to fruition, then that's really exciting. Um, the only thing that would really make it better for me is if we had more consoles, but we'll just stick with the SNES for now. We'll take what we can get, <laughs> and we'll uh, we'll hopefully see more coming in the future. I mean, it makes so much sense that um, SNES games will be coming to Switch Online because they've already got the emulator that they built for the, the classic. Mm-hmm. And that's the same emulator that they used for the NES. They ported over the the same emulator from the the NES classic over to the Switch. Presumably they could do the exact same thing for the SNES. Um, I'm kind of cautious that this actually is an SNES controller. We've only seen the back of it. It doesn't look like there's the standard shoulder buttons from the diagram of the L and the R. It could be anything. Yeah, I guess in theory it could just be, you know, a controller for Switch games. <laughs> it doesn't necessarily <laughs> need to be uh, SNES games on a on Switch Online, but I mean, two and two together. Come on, uh, hopefully, yeah. hopefully, I'm I'm very optimistic uh, to my detriment at times. So uh, we, I'm guessing if these get released, they'll be picked up by you on day one. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm curious how they're going to like because you know how the NES ones kind of docked on the Switch. Yeah, they charge. How on the Switch. heck are they going to do that? Presumably just USB C. Yeah, I yeah. Just like the Pro Controller. Yeah, I just I want it, you know, I want it, I want it on my Switch. You want and something it, goofy, and, and it, yeah, and it's and it would it would look funny. It would look funny. <laughs> I, I don't know. I I probably won't pick these up. Would you get the? Hmm. Uh, presumably, you'll get the USA variant, mm-hmm. and the rest of the world will get the nice colorful variant. You know, I might have to get both somehow. <laughs> I know a few people. I'm sure someone can import them in for you. <laughs> I seem to be the, like, Lootpot's gray market person at the moment. Hey. He's just asking me to send him stuff left, right, and center. I always say, if anybody needs anything over here, just let me know. But uh, the thing is, it seems to be everywhere other than... <laughs> you don't seem to get anything. We don't get anything. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, I, it's it's basically a promise that I know for a fact I don't have to follow up with because, you know, mm-hmm. we don't get anything anyway. So I, it makes me look good, but I don't actually have to follow through with anything. <laughs> I'm, I'm curious, though, if the SNES games do come to Switch Online, what are you going to be most excited about playing? So there's a lot of games that I would love to go back to on the SNES. I grew up with the SNES, so I, I really love it. Um, so obviously games I grew up with would be awesome. Um, classics, you know, the Donkey Kong trilogy, Country trilogy, um, Mario World, Yoshi's Island, that would be great. Um, I would love, like, uh, Mario RPG. Um, but these are all, like, I think all of them, if not most of them, are on the SNES Classic. They are, but you can't take the SNES Classic everywhere with you. Exactly. So I, I don't want people to be like, hey, well, they're on the SNES Classic. Yeah, you're right, because this is, you know, it's opening a, a, a library to take with you. Um, but those, I guess, would be my top ones. But the games that have like a really special place to me are those, um, like Disney Capcom games. Like, have you played any like uh, Lion King or no, I Aladdin? Lied. No, Goof Troop. Nothing. 
Mm-mm. Oh my gosh. Some people think that they're terrible, but I love them. I love them so much. You need to give I them never a try. Had, I, I, never had a, I never had a SNES. I had a Genesis slash Megazord. Oh, man, you're, you're missing out, man. I mean, some of them <laughs> obviously made it over to uh, Genesis as well. Lion King and Aladdin mm-hmm. come to mind. Most of those, though, are like remakes. They were, they were always made like two completely different games for each platform. It was really bizarre how they did it. That is interesting. And I guess it's because game engines didn't exist. They were like coding right on the metal. Right. Yeah, that's, that's um, interesting. To, for me, I think the ones I'm most excited about playing are things like Chrono Trigger, Mario RPG, things like that. I'd like to yeah. give those a go. Um, they're ones that everyone always talks about. Some of the best are, are JRPGs, and, and I'd like to check them out at some point. Yeah, so you haven't... Have you played any SNES games, just or just not on a SNES? I've, I've, I've played some, some games, just not like emulated, gotcha. or some of the ones that got ported to the GBA. Okay. So like Super Mario World right. and things like that that got, that got ported over and um, Super, I think Super Mario Kart got ported over as well. Mm. That wouldn't be another good one to have. Maybe with some online functionality, that would be cool. I'm not massively fussed about that because we've got Mario Kart 8 and that's doing the job for me, but... Let's go backwards, why not? <laughs> <laughs> um, so the next story is Game Freak has trademarked uh, Little Town Hero. So this seems to be the name for the working title um, Switch RPG exclusive town. Um, this was reported by Japanese Nintendo. It's a filing in Japan. Yeah, what do you make of this? The game looks good from what we saw from it. Was this at the February Direct? Was I that right? so, yeah. Um, it looked interesting, and I always, you know, especially right now, Game Freak has, you know, so much flack going their way. That any opportunity Game Freak has to distance themselves from Pokemon, I think is a good a good thing for them. And uh, I hope and I wish that more people would kind of give it a chance. So I hope I hope people do because it looks interesting. And turn based RPGs are my thing. So yeah, what's curious to me though is the <laughs> like the rest of us on the podcast, uh, me, P, and Pixel, had all kind of written this game off as, now nah, we're not going to see any more of this in, in 2019. It's going to be delayed till 2020 or further, and they're just going to forget that they announced it. But it seems like by trademarking a name, they're at least getting ready to either announce something, yeah. announce that it's coming next year, um, or release the game because it was due in 2019. I just don't know where it's going to slot into the lineup if they do. You're right. I mean, game Freak are releasing Pokemon in two months' time. Yeah, and I can't see them. I don't know. Do you think this could be the December game? I don't know. Do we have a December game? I don't think we do yet, right? No. I mean, I don't. I don't know. I don't know. I find it hard to believe that they would do you know Pokemon uh, on the 15th of November and then you know slide town in. You know, as a holiday title, I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> you never know. What do you make of uh, loot boxes in games? So, in general, I I think they can be interesting. Um, but in general, I think that they're implemented poorly. Um, for obvious reasons, I think that they're you know a money grab. Um, and as such, they tend to have kind of like an addicting uh, lottery type of quality to them that um, I think needs to be kind of watched a little more closely than it currently is. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but in, in general, if it's handled well, and in terms of what well is, I'm sure we'll get into it. I think they can be interesting. They can be worthwhile. I think they need to be implemented better. So I think the only way they work is if it's only for aesthetic items. I don't think a play-to-win mechanic works is what kind of led to the downfall of um, Star Wars Battlefront 2. Mm-hmm. I think that was the first time everyone was just like, nah, this is too much. We're kind of done with this. Um, but the news this week is that the ESA, which is the uh, Electronic Software Association, I believe, in America, right? That sounds right. Yeah, we'll go with that. <laughs> um, which is a, basically a group of, um, I think, a, a group of publishers and people that all came together. Entertainment Software Association, that's what it is. Um, and they're the people that basically give the game ratings in America. Like the ESRB, I think. Right? Yeah, yep. Um, and they've issued a statement saying that from next year, all loot boxes on um, Switch and other platforms will require the drop rates to be revealed. So you won't be able to just buy a, a, loot, a loot box and expect to get something. They'll have to give the percentage. And to me, I'm surprised it took this long to do that because... At least here in the UK, if you buy a scratch card, it even tells you what the chance of winning is on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and it's pretty much the exact same situation with a loot with a loot box. You don't know what you're going to get in it. It's costing you money in order to do it. It's a total gamble. And now that the the rates will be exposed, I don't know how obvious that's going to be. I don't know where it will be exposed. Presumably, it's going to ch- it's going to change per game. But on the whole, I would say I'm I'm probably not a fan of loot boxes. I think there's those ways to do the mechanics a lot more interesting. Mm-hmm. Like I think one of the best ways it's been handled is probably in for- something like Fortnite's Battle Pass, where you can kind of pay once and you can see everything you're going to get, and you kind of work towards it. It's not just a complete game of chance, and it's not pay to win either, really, um, which is is really good because you're it's basically skins, um, you know, emotes, all that kind of stuff, but it still kind of has that interesting. Uh, loot box feel to it so it's interesting enough to keep you wanting to pay for it at least in Fortnite's case but it's not a pay to win mechanic uh, which is kind of where it all stems from and goes downhill <laughs> for yeah. for a lot of people uh, that and just you know I think I think in general everybody needs to do a little better um, and we need to be more careful on the consumer end to really understand what we're what we're purchasing uh, whether it's kids, or, you know, to adults. Um, then I think companies need to also take a little bit more responsibility and say, hey, this is what you can expect. Um, even if it's a horrible odds, if at least you're, you know, you're, you're disclosing it, you know, mm-hmm. um, but there's, there's better ways to implement it too. Like, you know, you said Fortnite's case, or even if you're, you know, you look at a Pokemon card pack, right? You're not guaranteed, you know, a GX card or whatever, but you are guaranteed you know, this many basic cards uh, or commons, this many uncommons, this many rares, et cetera, yes. et cetera. And so you know you're at least going to get this. You just might get something even better. Did you know I found that people weigh packs of po- People buy, like, bulk packs of Pokemon cards. Mm-hmm. They weigh them yeah. to figure out which one's got the shinies in. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. And then they right. sell off all the other ones. Yep. Yeah. And That's bonkers. And, and you'll see, if you if you go on eBay, for example... You see all like um you know base set cards, right? Like the the original set, you know, all the way, all the way through. 
Um, yeah. And they'll be like, you know, weighed. And it'll be like heavy. It'll say heavy. And that means that, <laughs> you know, you're probably going to get a holographic, you know. So if you have a weighed first edition base set and it's heavy, you know, you could have that, that holographic mm-hmm. Charizard. And you could easily make, you know, make your money. Um, so it's a very interesting market and it does exist. And I've, I've seen a lot of people, um, at least on YouTube, you know, they're into that type of thing. Are you, are you into Pokemon cards? Yes, I am. Um, I'll, I'll get, you know, at least a few of like a new expansion, like a few packs when it comes out. Like, um, the, I think it's Unified Minds. That's the most recent one. Uh, I picked up a few packs. Um, yeah, so I, I'm into it. I like Pokemon cards. I like that type of model. Um, and I think is it just the collection aspect, or you play them a game? I'll play the game like with uh, with my girlfriend or like my brother. We'll, we'll play sometimes. I've I've looked into like uh, some local card shops. We'll have like you know a free play day where you just kind of show up with your deck and and you play. Yeah. Um, very casually, but it, the game can be fun actually. Um, but the collecting is cool too. What about you? Do you are you into any type of card games? I know you're not the biggest Pokemon fan. I have never ever um, kind of been into Pokemon games or Pokemon cards or anything like so that. So nothing, nothing Pokemon for you. No cards in general, really. Huh. Um, I never kind of got that collection aspect. The only thing I did have when I was a kid was Pogs. Do you remember Pogs? Yeah, yeah. So I guess those little circular discs for anyone that's uh, younger than us. Yeah, and um, Pog to you is uh, an emote, but <laughs> anyway. <laughs> hey? It's, uh, it's a Twitch emote, Pog, PogChamp. Oh, is it really? Yeah, yeah, but anyway. <laughs> um, but yeah, I never really got into to, into the collection aspect. My sister was like really big into Pokemon cards, and she had this like... She she didn't have an official binder, but she got like uh, just a ring binder, mm-hmm. and she got those, you know, those like poly wallet inserts that you can get yeah and she she would put a card in and then she'd staple around the edges of the card not so it was stapled to the plastic but just so it would like have its own little pouch oh yeah and she she would like collect all of the all of the cards and try and get a complete set yeah i mean that's that's awesome and you look back and and it's it's almost baffling how much money some of these cards are <laughs> it really is have you have you still got your original set i have a lot of them and a lot of the ones that i pulled like myself which is kind of cool um so like a lot of the original ex cards like you look at ex's well now it's gx but like back in um like generation six uh there were ex um and they're just like full art like you know huge crazy looking um and then back in the day the ex cards were like a little more basic, a little more foily. Uh, they look mm-hmm. they look way different, and it's really cool. And I think some of them were e-reader too back in the day, so that's even more interesting. It was that Japan only thing, the the e-reader for the GBA. No, I don't think so. Did you have you got one? Yeah, yeah, I have one. Of course, you have one. <laughs> <laughs> I have um, I have a few cards that uh, you know, can take advantage of of that functionality. Um, you know, it's just it's cool, man. It it really is that that's a cool piece of tech. I that I I smile every time I look at that. <laughs> <laughs> Do you use often? No. Um. When I want to, you know, show people some of the like more different. Like I love the peripherals. By the way, like that's that's my thing. Where all the weird system peripherals. Mm-hmm. Um. But so when I when I talk about that, when you know people come over or whatever, that's 
that's you know one of the go-to go-to pieces uh, so next up is uh, something that Pete's going to be probably happy about there's a green set an all green set of Joy-Cons coming to Best Buy in October for $79.99 and I think that's the standard price for them right yep um, but this is the first time I th- this, think this is the first time they've done the green all together as, as one set the only time I can think of they've had a full red set and a full grey set but I don't think they've done any other colours as a single set right I think they did a blue set they did red blue and grey and yellow? Oh, yes, they did the arms yellow ones, yeah. Yeah, but they didn't, like, come with, a like, a separate first, if you want to consider that. I think red, gray, blue launched, right? I think that was a launch. Um, you could get them separate or together. Um, and then yellow came down the line. And then now mm-hmm. this is, you know, one of the first um, ones that originally started in a separate pack. And now are the same color in one pack. Have you got your pre-order in? Uh, you know, I imported my green from Japan and I got my North American. So I'm good. I'm covered. Oh, okay. I have two greens and two pinks. So I'm I'm in good shape. Yeah, I was considering importing the mm-hmm. other set from America. Because we got... For some reason, they did the inverse here than what you got. It was bizarre. It is. For the Splatoon set. Yeah. So if I got it, I could have an all pink set. It's it's good, man. It, it's it's it looks great. Um, I think if I remember correctly, and I could be wrong about this, um, I think at least here in America, uh, you could buy the, um, you know the the Joy Cons themselves, and they had the green and pink one way. Yeah. And then if you bought the Splatoon Two Switch bundle, yes. then you got it the other way. So you would have to buy the... Splatoon 2 Switch came with boring Joy-Cons. We got, it was red and blue ones. They didn't do a special edition with <laughs> with green and pink ones. Interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. The more That's you know. That's another console you have to get. <laughs> that is... You know what? It's I'm telling you, man. But that's the little things like that that like really pique interest, you know? <laughs> Might have to get my hands on that. <laughs> what color Joy-Cons are you like, hopeful that they'll release? Just in general, or like ones yeah, that yeah, just will... in general. Mm. Like I'm, I'm definitely getting the neon purple, neon orange ones, but I hope they do the inverse of those because an all purple yeah. set would look so good. Yep, I 100% agree with you. You know, I, I think that there's so many that they could do. I want them to officially do like fantastic colored Joy Cons. Yeah, that would be cool. They already have like shells out there, so if anybody you know is handy. Um, and really like those types of colors, then, you know, they have shells out that you can get relatively cheap too, not too bad. And you could do that to not only your Joy-Cons, but your Pro Controllers too. The, uh, I quite like the white shells you can get with the colored, um, ABXY buttons as well. They look quite cool. Yeah. I, I consider doing a swap of those. What I really wish they would do is a, a pure proper black one. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you ever saw the original dev consoles, the dev units for the Nintendo Switch. Probably. They came with solid black Joy-Cons rather than gray ones. I'll have to check so, that out. so, so nice. Yeah. So uh, there must be some floating around somewhere. Someone's got something. Can you imagine getting your hands on those? Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah. One day, man. I'm telling you. <laughs> they're going to they're gonna end up on eBay at some point. They will. Got to keep an eye out. I think we spoke about when you were on the show before, but you've got a set of, of the fantastic N64 controllers or the consoles, right? Uh, I have a few of them. Okay. I have a few of them. Not all of them. 
put a few. Which ones? Which ones are you after? So I have the um, what is it? The watermelon, red. Mm. Uh, the what is it? The fire orange. And I wouldn't consider this one a fantastic, but it's in the same vein, and it's a really interesting controller. Um, I'm not sure what its official name is, but it's almost like a yellow green, like fantastic. It's almost like a lemon lime color. Not the jungle green one. No. No, I, I do have that one too. Yeah, but this one, this one's a little different. Um, and it's one of the more expensive controllers for some reason. I always wanted the GoldenEye one. Which one is that? I don't remember seeing that one. I think it's gold. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, I know what one you're talking about. That one is very cool. I mean, the N64 had some of the coolest colors. I'm actually, I want to, I want to send a picture of this other one. It's more like a like a green, but it's like a lemon lime green um, type of type of color, and it's really interesting and different. But it never made its way to like an actual console, which would actually look kind of cool. Did they just sell the controller separately, man? Yeah. Okay, let's have a look. Oh, yeah, okay, so it's kind of like a glow-in-the-dark green. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. It's, Highlighter yellow. Yeah, and it's it's very, very different. But, um, yeah, I want to get my hands on the on the uh, ice blue. You know, some of them are really cool, the smoke gray. Really yeah. nice colors. And they would make really nice Joy-Con colors. All of them. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to be on AliExpress just buying all the shells. Oh, yeah, absolutely. The problem is, like, it's just so expensive to buy a set of Joy-Cons. And then put really cheap, crappy shells on them. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And unfortunately, well, more fortunately, but um, unfortunately for a lot of people who kind of go after, especially these new sets, when they come out, is they often drop by at least 10 bucks within, you know, a few months. I mean, I could I could go right now and find the Splatoon controllers, um, all of them, really. Uh, I'm trying to think of ones that I can't. Um, maybe, like, besides the, obviously, the Odyssey red ones. You can get them for sixty nine ninety nine. Yeah, the problem is though, like I've seen a lot of used controllers as well, and I guess the problem with those is, especially when you've got this Joy-Con drift floating around, mm-hmm. you have no idea if they're going to be any good or not. Yeah, no, you're you're right, you're right. Um, luckily, I think these ones are new for that price. But you're right if you if you go for a used, um, a used set, you got to be careful. But luckily, yeah. you can. I mean, it's still it's still kind of a pain. But at least Nintendo is kind of fixing fixing the drift for free, um, and also yeah. Did you see this week that the, it seems like the new contr- the new Switch is coming with slightly different controllers? Uh, they different like different how internally. Really interesting. Yeah. So um, a YouTuber called Kevin Kenson. Oh yeah, got, yeah, got, yeah, yeah. Got one of the new Switch units and opened up the Joy Cons, and it looks like the ha- the housing around the. Um, the actual sticks themselves are slightly different. Um, whether that fixes the issue or not, obviously remains to be seen, and we'll, I guess we'll only know in like six to twelve months' time when. Yeah, yeah, I'm hopeful. The controllers are one day. Yeah, definitely hopeful. Um, I don't see why they, why they wouldn't, because I mean it, it was an issue pretty early on. Mm-hmm. Not super early, but pretty early. Um, and also, I know a lot of people, um, just kind of like a PSA. Um, I wanted to mention GameStop currently, and I, I guess up until, I, fr- I think it's sometime in September, they're doing this trade-in deal, at least here in America, where you can trade in your um, 
original Switch, if you will. You know, um, not your updated, you know, August 2019 Switch. Um, and I guess, I guess it really doesn't matter. But anyway, you trade in your, your old Switch. You get $225 in uh, trade-in credit towards one of these new Switches. So you end up okay. paying $75 for the upgraded Switch with, you know, like you said, the up- updated uh, controllers. Um, even the screen and, uh, yeah, like the, what is it? I forget the uh, technical terms, but the screen's a little brighter. The battery life's better, obviously, um, and and you get that type of enhancement. So, but then you ha- you also have to be careful about these Joy-Con drifts because all you really need to do to get this credit is basically trade in everything that came in the box. It could also be drift controllers. I'm assuming. I'm sure they're not going to check for that. Well, I mean, that's that's a pretty good way to get rid of some drift controllers if you got some. Yeah. You know, because if you're going to be buying a new set of Joy-Cons for $79.99 anyway, mm-hmm. you trade the whole thing in yep. and get a brand new console and a new set of controllers. You got it. Exactly. Yeah. So it's it's actually not a terrible way to get your hands on, like you said, some new controllers or this updated Switch, but just be careful buying those used controllers um, from anywhere, mm-hmm. not just GameStop, but... You know, I could see a lot of people taking advantage of that so they don't have to deal with Nintendo's customer support. Yeah, that's what I would do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah and, and you can't blame anybody for doing that. So, uh, Like I said on the show before, I had um, the problem with, the, with my left Joy-Con on my launch Switch going out of sync all the time when I, when I would hold it. I never bothered sending it in for the piece of foam. I couldn't be bothered. Yeah, and that, that was another big issue. Um, it, you know, looking back, it's really interesting to see how many... And, and I, I'm not blaming, like, the Switch or Nintendo. Like, how many issues <laughs> kind of came to fruition through the Switch's uh, launch cycle? You know, I mean, it happens to a lot of systems. You know, Red Ring of Death, I'm looking at you. Um, yeah, but, I mean, it's not that level of bad. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> uh, but it is interesting to kind of look back and see... Uh, some of the issues that, and it's it's a hardware thing, you know what I mean? Or, or you know, it could be a software fix, but, you know, that's just something that happens with hardware. Yeah, and I think a lot of it is is a durability issue. Uh, it's probably things that wouldn't have come to fruition and wouldn't have come to light until a certain number of months and a certain number of hours of play time down the line. As much as they could have tested it, I don't think they would have found all of the issues. Mm-hmm. You can't really test for every single environment uh, that a, a console will potentially be played in. Right. And all I can really expect from any company is, you know, to justifiably, you know, assess the issue and do the right thing. And I think it took a little longer than I would have liked, but I think Nintendo is doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I do applaud them for that. All right, so moving on to out this week, there's nothing much of note, so I didn't I didn't really bother compiling a list together, but I did want to highlight a game that has been announced at PAX, uh, PAX West, which kicks off on August 14th, no, August 15th, um, and that is Chicory, A Colorful Tale. It's the official name for Wonder Songs Creators' uh, follow-up game, uh, which was uh, initially titled Draw Dog. I actually quite like the name Draw Dog a little bit better, but that's besides the point. Um, and they're launching a Kickstarter, uh, which you can find over at chickorygame.com. The link will be in the show notes. It's coming to Nintendo Switch, and the team also, the team includes uh, 
Greg Lebanoff of uh, Wondersong fame, also the uh, award-winning composer of Celeste's soundtrack, uh, Lena Rain. Um, she's doing the soundtrack for the game, so it's bound to be incredible. Uh, the game is expected to launch in August 2021, so it's a while away, um, but I think it's well, well worth checking out the trailer and well worth checking the game out. I've been excited about it since uh, they started teasing it on Twitter, and it's just a really it seems like a really fun, cool adventure puzzly game uh, that will allow you to be quite creative. Yeah, it definitely looks interesting. I'm kind of curious about your thoughts. How do you um, see keeping the hype alive for that long? It's going to be difficult, um, and at, at two years is a long time. But they're a very small team. I don't. I think they they originally did the same thing uh, for Wonder Song. I think they kickstarted that as well. So they've they've had kind of that process. Presumably, they will also get a publisher for this game. Wonder Song was published by uh, Humble Bundle. I'd imagine they'll see if they'll, they can go back to the same publisher and publish it. Um, and I, I don't know. I'm just I'm excited for it. I know it's going to be a long wait, but sometimes I think it's it's probably worth it. The problem with Kickstarter is, and the problem with indie games is that will very easily slip into 2022, and by that time, I've got to be wondering: Are we going to be on the next platforms? Yeah, and we've we've seen that a lot with um, a lot of these kickstarted and crowdfunded games, um, where I remember a lot of games that were promised for Wii U. Yes, they only they just came to Switch. Yeah, yeah, yeah and and a lot of people were were upset because you know you you funded. Uh, being promised a Wii U game, and then you ended up, you know, with a Switch <laughs> game. Yeah, it, it'll be interesting. I, you know, and and it has some really big names behind it, um, some really great, you know, uh, designers and and composers. So no doubt that it, it's going to have that type of following. Um, it's just I've always been fascinated with, you know, the science behind like keeping the hype alive. <laughs> you know, for for a game like even yeah. like Metroid, you know, or, or some games that kind of slip like that. Have you kickstarted many games? Yes, I've actually kickstarted um, Bloodstained. Oh, okay. And what did you think of that? I, I I'll be honest, I haven't even opened it yet, just because I know course. that there were a lot of uh, issues with the Switch version. I'm not even sure if they're resolved yet, but um, no, they're not. Okay, maybe I'll wait until then. Um, but you know, I was I was really into the aesthetic and and all that and i'm actually glad that my first kickstarting experience resulted in a game because a lot of times it doesn't no that's true uh, the the only game i've kickstarted is shenmue 3 still not out yeah that's that's <laughs> <laughs> that's a notorious one uh, we'll see yeah. what i think about that when it comes out later this year yeah um i guess the weird thing with them is they start off as one thing and often the games deviate i've seen that with Shenmue 3, like, a lot of things have changed. Like, it was originally going to come to Steam, now it's exclusive to the Epic Games Store, and that was, like, really, um, not, that was quite controversial and not well received, I think. Um, and I get it, they needed extra money. I know they raised ridiculous sums of money on Kickstarter, like, X million dollars, but that's nothing really in comparison for the type of game they were trying to make. Uh, but also just, like, they had a bunch of stretch goals. And some of them they're just not going to bother doing because it doesn't make sense in the scope of the game and what they've actually created. I think it's difficult when you're starting a Kickstarter to say, we're going to make this, this is exactly what it's going to be, this is the scope of the project, here's our entire vision for the game. But as you build a game, 
things change. You know, the story might change, the gameplay might change. You might decide that this isn't fun, and we need to make it take a different route. Yeah, and uh, it, it takes a very traditional project management like standpoint, um, where you you end up requiring a really good, you know, direction team uh, to you know polish scope where need be polish isn't the right word but kind of change scope where you need be you know yeah. allocate resources where they're needed um without kind of crunching the project which happens a lot in especially game design it happens you know in a lot of like software um industry where it ends up just kind of getting crunched and then you know workers are worked to the bone and then the product delivered is not very great so everybody mm-hmm. loses I think one of the best examples of this is uh, the way Hollow Knight handled it. They got their stretch goal for the second playable character, and rather than doing it as a DLC, which everyone thought they would do with Silk Sonic, just decided to make an entirely new game because they realized that they had so much content there, why not just spin it out into a whole separate sequel, essentially. And I think they're honoring it with Kickstarter uh, backers. They get, they'll get the second game. I love companies or, you know, uh, developers that just, like, do the right thing. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. it sounds so simple, but, you know, I just, I love it. It's, it's great. Okay, so we were going to do a mailbag this week, but with Pete and Pixel away, we've pushed that back to next week. Um, but there was one question in particular from Asobi on Discord that I wanted to um, raise, which was, what do you guys expect to see at Gamescom Big Gamescom's big opening show on Monday. I also want to add PAX West into that because we are recording this before PAX West kicks off tomorrow on August 15th. Um, We've already seen uh, EA kicking off some of the announcements. Need for Speed's new sequel, which isn't coming to Switch, of course, because EA hates the platform, um, (laughs) has been announced and there will be gameplay at Gamescom. But also this week, I don't know if you saw it, the Plants vs. Zombies uh, Battle for Neighborville work in progress trailer got leaked. Um, It's no longer available on YouTube. It's no longer available on Twitter, thanks to a copyright claim from EA. But I did see the trailer, and I must say, I'm I've I've not really got into the Plants vs Zombies stuff, like God of Warfare and that. This game looks fun. Yeah, I didn't I didn't see this, so I'm actually interested to kind of check it out. Um, so the the leaker that uh, posted it claims that uh, having looked through the code, it's coming to Switch, PS4, Xbox One, and PC. Um, so hopefully this will be coming to Nintendo Switch and presumably we'll see it at Gamescom um, on Monday. I think that's when EA are doing their announcements. I, I think you've been to PAX or something like that though, right? Haven't you? Uh, I went to PAX East, yes, uh, okay. a few years back. Yeah. How was the experience? I... Preferred, so I went to E3 2018, and then I went to PAX East. Those are the two cons I went to, so I'd like to compare them. Um, I, in a, in some ways, preferred PAX, and in some ways preferred like a bigger con, um, okay. like E3. So in general, you're not getting a lot of like heavy announcements or anything. Um, but the year I went to PAX was when... Um, so that was in March, I think it was 2015, and Splatoon, the original Splatoon, was announced at uh, the previous E3. Um, okay. So that was like one of the, you know, the you got the demos. Um, 
So the lines were ridiculously long, but you know, you got to play some of these some of these cool titles. So in that respect, um it's it's a fun experience. But you never really get those like heavy hitting announcements like an E three. Um um uh, I, I I guess the closest thing we have to PAX here is probably EGX. I think it's run by the same company now. Mm. Um and that's kind of a mix of both. You can play the game. So like this year at EGX they've got Pokemon Sword and Shield, uh, they've got Luigi's Mansion. Um but my favorite part of EGX is the indie area where you can go and you can talk to the creator that's there exhibiting their game and you can find out what their their plans are for it and where the initial idea for the game came from. And I think that's something you don't get to experience in many places is speaking to the person that, that built the game. Yeah. Um, and even some of the bigger titles, like when I was at EJX last year, um, some of the development team for dreams on uh, PS4 were there and they were answering people's questions and showing them what you can do with the game. And I mean, dreams is less of a game and more of a kind of game engine at this point, but it's, uh, right. It was interesting just to kind of get their take on things. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. And I think that that's kind of been something, at least from what I could tell um, with my very limited experience at a lot of these cons, is within these past few years, um, that in particular, just a huge appreciation for indie games and indie developers mm-hmm. and indie culture um, has just exploded. You know, because I don't, I don't remember having that opportunity at PAX, but I almost certainly could have at E3 last year. And I know for a fact it's happening at PAX West um, because that's where Chicory yeah. is being announced. And I know they're there exhibiting the game and it's it's, it's being demoed and it's playable. I, I'd love to I'd love to attend E3 at some point just to experience it. I've heard from people that since they opened it up to the public, it's been hell. <laughs> yes, that is true. <laughs> so I'm not I'm not sure uh, maybe if if it's a wise idea. Uh, but are there any th- kind of things you expect to see or anything you're excited for from either Gamescom or PAX? I know they're kind of smaller shows, but so, uh, I know Microsoft have got some announcements next week. I don't. I think Nintendo has a presence at Gamescom. Whether they'll have something announced, I don't know. I think the most interesting things we can expect, um, maybe expect's not the right word, but I'm I'm at least anticipating is a little bit more of like a gameplay presence. Like every time a con happens, um, I at least kind of expect or anticipate seeing a little bit like further along builds. Yes. Um, unless they're, you know, obviously coming out and saying, this is the E3 build, you know, or, or whatever. Um, so maybe we can see a little bit of extra polish in some of these games that mm-hmm. are coming out later. Um, or maybe some new features announced. Yeah, they sometimes do a treehouse and they might like announce a new character that's coming to something or whatever. Yeah, they usually um, I save think they that. did that with Smash. Yeah, that would that would be interesting um, and more. You know, I could expect that happening. Um, but I'm lo- I'm looking forward to seeing how like games that are coming out later this year are looking uh, if they're at yes. these these cons. So you so know. you're so you're more excited about the big Nintendo titles that are coming up. Yeah, I I think so. I I kind of you know wish I got more into um, you know, Microsoft this generation more and even PlayStation, um, Sony. I I wish I got more into like the other platforms, but yeah, like I've I've basically been all Nintendo this past generation and into um, you know, if you include the Switch and Wii U in one generation, <laughs> that's a whole other discussion. Um but I think, you know, next gen, you know, PS five, 
and uh, Xbox Two or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, I might I might jump into that and maybe pay a little more attention to what they might say is coming to those. I think um, for me, I'm probably most excited to see some of the new indie games. I'd like to see some more news about st- some of the games like I'm I'm hyped on but haven't heard anything about, like Untitled Goose Game. Um, that was playable at EGX last year, but since that original demo and that original build that was used in the trailer, we haven't really seen anything else about the game. Um, it kind of has you worried that it's going to be slipping into 2020 at this point when they've said it's coming out in summer. But also, this Plants vs. Zombies stuff is interesting. It's always nice to see E3, uh, EA bringing something to the Switch, if that's if that actually turns out to be true. They've not really brought much other than FIFA at this point, right? Yeah, you're right. And it's arguably poor ports. Yes. Yeah, yeah they're, they're half-baked, and yeah. they're not really putting much effort in. I mean, the company that's really doing the best, the best job of porting stuff is Bethesda. Bethesda and id. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're doing a phenomenal job just bringing over pretty much as, as many games as they can um, and and I'd like to see I'd like to maybe see something from them but I don't think they'll be I don't think they'll be there so uh, you strike me as a very like indie centered uh, gamer yes. that's yeah, that's interesting so. yeah so you're you know you're more into the indie stuff than the AAA stuff in general yeah I'll, I'll, I'll play maybe two or three big games a year so Last year was probably, I don't know, Splatoon and... Was Splatoon last year or the year before? Uh, 2017 was Splatoon yeah. 2. Okay. I don't know what my t- my games were, big games were last year then. But yeah, I will usually play like two or three big games on Switch and then the rest of them, the majority of them will be made up by indie titles. And if you look at what my games of the year were last year, the majority of them were indie titles. Hmm. Interesting. I, 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 I think I just... I don't have the time to play those really, really big games, and I just can't be bothered to invest. Yeah, and in general, invest the time into them. Yeah, like it's, it's. You could argue that you get a way better value from indie games. You know, you get a, you could get a really, really solid AAA experience for twenty dollars. You know. Mm-hmm. I also just think you can. They they experiment more, like. There's nothing wrong with just getting the next Ubisoft game and you know exactly what it's going to be. It's going to be Far Cry but with a different skin because that's what they make these days. <laughs> but, it, you know, you can try something new. You can experience something awesome like Undertale or Moonlighter or Minute. They're all completely new separate experiences that you don't you don't get from a AAA game because the the companies that make the big AAA games are, are making it for the masses. They're making it for the, the 90% of people that buy games. Yeah, it's really interesting, and and you could get you know all three of those games or however many you mentioned um, for in a lot of cases the price of one AAA game. Mm-hmm. Or the one thing that I dislike a lot about AAA games is not so much Nintendo. Uh, this is more like other you know developers and publishers, particularly on other platforms, um, where you you can get a game at launch. And within a few months, it's it's half price, and then you know it goes down and down and down, and then it's like okay, if I just would have waited five months, I could have gotten this for yes. for ten bucks. And, and I've started doing that. And that's one thing that I, I listened to um, the Kotaku Split Screen podcast, and Kirk, and Kirk Hamilton, who's one of the hosts on there, formerly um, editor at large at Kotaku, uh, wrote a great post when he was there uh, about how he doesn't buy games new anymore when he when he 
when he's not reviewing them and he hasn't been given a code, he'll just wait a couple of months because he'll get it for half the price. And it's just like, um, the only thing you miss out on is that experience and being wrapped up in kind of the bubble when everyone's like playing the game and they're all, they're all talking about it on Twitter. And I got wrapped up in that with Fire Emblem the other week, which is why I went out and I bought the game that I knew I probably wasn't going to play and have time to play. But I was just like, everyone's talking about this. This is the hot new thing. Yeah. And, and I wanted to come on here and I wanted to talk about, I haven't played it anyway, so I haven't spoken about right. it. So it was completely pointless. Yeah, well, you um, you look out with a lot of Nintendo games just because they don't they don't go down much. I mean, the most you'll see, like you Mario Kart Eight Deluxe, you're still you're still paying fifty bucks, and that's a sale on a lot of retailers. Yeah. And the only one, the only exception to it is when it's not a Nintendo published title, like Mario Rabbids goes on sale all the time. Oh, you're absolutely right. I got it for twenty bucks, and it's a great game. <laughs> it is a good game, but it, but Zelda still sixty mm-hmm. sixty quid. Yep, you never ever right. get it for less than that. Yeah, look at the EA games on Switch, and and you'll see exactly what we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I think that pretty much wraps up for uh, this week's show, right? Yeah, I think so. Um, so thanks everyone for listening. Uh, don't forget to check us out on Twitter at Loopots. Don't forget to check out uh, Loopots.com for all of the latest news and reviews. And you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Loopots and you'll get a uh, second episode every single week of uh, podcast After Dark. It's our show after the show where we just go completely off topic. We talk about random things. This week we spoke about Beef Brisket and Pete's PC being completely busted amongst other things. Um, so go check it out. Go give us a couple of dollars to help support the show help support the website and keep the service going Uh, it really means a lot and we shall see you on the next one